Hey everybody, welcome to another Commission Movie Podcast. I hold in my hand the very first entry into the Bald Move Library of Movies. The Bald Move... Physical library. F- yeah, physical. I mean, we have some Amazon quite stuff. quite a collection on, on Amazon at this point. We have, but this is, this is tangible. Mm-hmm. I can lay hands on this thing. Uh, it's the 15th anniversary edition of Stargate, starring Kurt Russell and James Spader. Stargate the movie, which they feel necessary to point out. Uh, well, you know, I guess you don't want to after it's you don't want to expect MacGyver and get Kurt Russell. That, that's true. It might break that's your true. brain. They also call it the film that unlocked the universe. I I'd say that's fair. That's like, uh, literally Stargate Universe. Yeah, it doesn't have any possible. qualitative aspect to it. It's not like mm-hmm. the only film to ever leave an impression on you or anything like that. <laughs> there, there's nothing too stunning about it. Uh, what what do you what is your relationship? With the Stargate movie and, and franchise in general. Well, first of all, I got to give special thanks to Dr. Brandon DeVito. Shit, you're right. For commissioning this podcast. He did one for his daughter as the, you know, the selfless man that we know and love. He the, did. The, given so much to humanity over the years. Uh, he, 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 uh, he commissioned the Mean the Girls podcast, which might be the most popular commission podcast we've ever done. <laughs> just judged on people Feedback, squealing yeah. and likes on Facebook. It's crazy. Like... That's the podcast that no one knew they needed until the day it dropped. So yeah, there must be a cult following for that movie. It's, so, so thank you for that, Doc. Uh, but this is the one for himself, uh, the Stargate. Uh, it's you know released in 1994, uh, directed by Roland Emmerich. Is that Emmerich? Emmerich? I think it's Emmerich. And written by Dean Devlin. And the the dynamic duo. The dynamic duo. Yeah, you know them from movies such as Independence Day. Uh, Universal Soldier? Did they both do that? They did. You know, yeah. Uh, okay. It's in the the day after tomorrow, day after tomorrow and yep. Godzilla. God, not that, uh, not yes. the most recent remake, but the one before that with uh, minus Brian Cranston. Yes, yes, it's the one that had Matthew uh, Broderick. Matthew Broderick. I was yeah. trying to think of. Uh, it wasn't Parker Lewis as and the other guy. Hank Hank Osteria or something like that. the guy who Azaria. Azaria yeah, the guy who does all the Simpsons voices. Yeah, yeah. a terrible film. Terrible, yeah. wrong-headed film. Really rotten. Uh, some might say the same about this movie and or Independence Day. Uh, he says, with the reboot of Stargate, the Stargate movie, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin keep threatening us with, I want to revisit what made me fall in love with the property. For me, Stargate was a revolutionary storytelling idea, mixing sci-fi wormholes with an action movie set on another planet mimicking ancient Egypt, throwing a girl and a troop of idiotic kid soldiers and you can't miss. The movie, though, really shows some ugly cracks over time, like how Roz explained to be the dying race that inhabits a human boy 10,000 years ago, where the idea for the big gold head and his minion animal heads come from. Sure, it explains the real-life Egyptian artifacts, but no other has no other in-story explanation. If he had been overthrown already on Earth by a group of slaves armed with sticks, how did he not ha- learn a lesson on the other planet and arm his ship with more than a half-dozen soldiers to monitor an entire planet? After 70 years since the gate was dug up, did nobody... Ever tried to randomly pick one more symbol? They just stopped at six and didn't bother to try the other 33 symbols one at a time to unlock the secrets of the universe? There's millions of combinations of symbols, but only one goes, but but it only goes one other place? Why not have an open-close button then? Yeah, so I really liked this movie growing up. Okay. And amongst my friend circle, there was like a, a particular guy, you know, we know him as Ace Jace, but he legitimately believes this shit is true. <laughs> like he's red charity of the gods. This was like a documentary for him. Like uh-huh. this, this really, uh, 
opened my eyes to a lot of mumbo jumbo. Not like I needed any more in my youth, but uh, I, I had fond memories of this movie. And then we sat down and watched the director's edition. I don't think we meant to. It's just that was the one that uh, was available. Like that's the one that if you just default yeah. rent on Amazon, it, it shows it. And I, I came away thinking, like, man, has this movie aged worse? than I thought mm-hmm. or was it, it made less sense or what? So we decided to of our own free will get this uh, 15th anniversary edition just so we could listen. We heard that it has an all-star commentary with <laughs> Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. I saw that. I was like, we got to get it. We and have to. So, so by, I, I took two sets of notes. My first was the first time through and it was a lot more what the fucky than the second time through because I, yeah. I I got this impression we had a little bit of a debate after our first watch through I was like I think Roland Emmerich is a really good technical director mm-hmm. like all the pieces are there like he's really good at uh, uh, compositing a shot there's a lot of care and love in the design of this alien technology mm-hmm. and that, like the the Stargate concept is kind of interesting and this cultural pollination of humans across the stars is is really interesting but there's just a lot of things that don't that they don't fit together and he seems to solve this by just stepping on the gas yeah like before you start to think about like wait a second why is james spader here translating this stargate and and why are they these troops ready to go the second it opens it's like nope Mm -hmm. just hit the gas we're in this another universe and weird shit's happening uh then the second time through, I, I feel like that 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 was confirmed. That it felt like listening to Emmerich talk that he was fighting losing battles against executives that wanted him to continually dumb it down and take out the character. What what little characterization and character conflict there was to take that stuff out and streamline it. I presumably for international audiences, which I mean that's his bread and butter. Like you don't need to speak English yeah. to understand what's going on in Stargate, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it not, at least not the version that we see. Uh, the theatrical version, I think, is a little more fucked up uh, as far Could as be. narrative goes. I so I, at the same time he's talking about. I, think, oh, I, yeah, I actually think the, I think the narrative is much cleaner in a the theatrical cut. It's just not as interesting and doesn't have nearly the characterization. I I guess I don't know what you mean by cleaner because to me, like filling in some really obvious gaps it's just a much uh, cleaner cleaner. story it's like there's nothing uh if you mean more sterile (laughs) i don't know well like so like a lot of things that he put in a a lot of the stuff involves going back to base camp and you know checking in with french stewart okay yeah and that stuff is horseshit but at the same time like the stuff he's talking about battling with studios to keep in i think is all good characterization and is necessary for the end of that movie when james spader decides to to stay yeah he's you absolutely need that stuff and i'm glad it's in that version i don't know if it's in the original the the theatrical cut does not have the stuff with raw like being taken up into the ship at the beginning he was also talking about he needed to yeah you just have the middle section that's all pure expository stuff where he's wandering through the halls of history even that middle section he said he had to like fight to get that in there that was like a last minute thing like these triumphs that he's talking about oh yeah we had these great ideas and this last minute thing Mm -hmm. like this was the script was kind of saved by you know putting these ideas in here well i don't feel like they saved it i feel like those were bare bones necessities and if you didn't have that this is a piece of shit yeah (laughs) there's a lot of scenes like with kurt russell and the the shepherd boy that's kind of sold their relationship that's not in a theatrical yeah i guess cigarettes but but then again they never really pay that off because 
I guess they pay off a little bit. There's a little through line there with, you know, um, Kurt Russell being afraid. So his character backstory is he's a, you know, special forces guy, lives and dies by the sword. His son plays around with a gun and shoots himself in the face and dies. And when we join him in the movie, he's kind of suicidal. And then later on, when the Shepherd Boys, uh, you know, they're they're oohing and on over a cigarette lighter, and then one of them gets a hold of a gun and starts waving it around, mm-hmm. and he flips his shit because he doesn't want to see another child die with these things. But then they end up becoming child soldiers, mm-hmm. and the really emotional high point of the movie is when the bizarre looking one, the the dunce of the group, I'll, I'll say, mm-hmm. uh, gets killed, and it kind of shockingly poorly conceived action sequence. The outside stuff is poorly conceived. The inside stuff is actually pretty good. We're all over the map on this review. Do you want to get some structure to this or, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like I, as far as like the, the show goes, have you seen any of the show? I saw about three episodes because I was really so stoked no. for it. I mean, like, well, here's like, the really thing. no. There are 15 years of that show. I feel like 90% of why I like this movie is the art design and direction. Yeah, yeah. Like, the headdresses these guys wear that all morph into, like, that was really cool. And when you see the sure. shitty, shitty versions, the, 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 the low-budget sci-fi versions of these things in the Stargate series, it just instantly took me out of it. Like, yeah, if you don't have the visual splendor of Stargate, then the Stargate, the movie is just a slightly below average B film. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. Um, Like, I, I have seen about the same amount of the show SG-1. There there are a shitload. There are no, I mean, everyone talks and, like I, I continue a movie and all. It's of shit, like but. a lot of people say Babylon 5 is one of the greatest sci fi things yeah, ever made. I'll it. never know because that shit was made on an Amiga with a video toaster and it looks like ass yeah. and I just can't get past it, man. Maybe the story's great. I don't know. The story but... could be great, but I'm, cause I am a, above all else, I'm a graphics whore. Okay. I, I can't enjoy something that doesn't look stylish and, and cool. Or at least keep you in the, the moment. That's why I know? can't get into Doctor Who that I've tried so many times and it's just like this, this hokey shit gets in my way of enjoying a otherwise stellar story. And like you said, maybe that's the thing that keeps you engaged in Stargate and it gave it just enough. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen any of the show. This is really the only thing I've seen of Stargate. Uh, and I remember like when I watched it the first time, I was much more into it. Like I'm talking back when I was a teenager. Yeah. Uh, I thought, man, that was a cool movie. Like all these interesting ideas. It and is it had a, a cool ton movie. of action. Yes. And like all of it made sense. It was really cool. But also in those days, I was kind of enjoying movies to tear them down um, like sometimes. So uh-huh. we'd, we'd go in and like, you know, after the movie, go to the Steak and Shake and talk about, oh, this was a cool idea. Oh, but this was bullshit. We we do the same thing we do on the podcast right yeah, now. Yeah, essentially. We've been doing this for yeah. 30 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, like MST3K. People are like, you guys have good kids. Well, we've, we've had a lot of practice. Yeah, a lot of Steak and Shake nights. A lot of Steak and Shake. Uh, so I, I also remember, like, a lot of hokey shit in this, too, uh, that we were pointing out and talking about. Sure. Uh, so I have... A slightly less lesser opinion of the movie coming away from it this time. I don't think it's a great movie. I think the ideas are interesting. The ideas are great. The execution of specifically of the writing, uh, I think, is bad. 
Dean Devlin does not seem like he's a good writer. They both get writing credit, so I don't want to throw it all on Dean. But I feel like the Im- but the stuff Emmerich he's written... is holding he's holding up his end of the directorial. Yeah. He's actually getting what's on the paper on the screen, and it's looking marvelous, and it's evocative. Uh-huh. And and when you put the score in it, which I thought that was the biggest revelation yes. of the commentary, the fact that that was an afterthought and a happy accident. They're like, this guy who's never scored a motion picture before... We're going to tap him, and we're going to get 90% of the way done through post, and like, oh, shit, we should check and see if he's got anything good. And, <laughs> and he then, busts oh, the main Stargate he, theme, and it's one yeah. of the best, I mean... And he's, like, rivaling John Williams for his shit in other movies. Yeah. Like, I was thoroughly impressed by the soundtrack of this movie. It really does so much heavy lifting for this film. Yeah. So much heavy so, lifting. So, David Arnold, uh, good job. You you get a You get a shiny star. Not so sure about Roland and Dean. Yeah. Uh, Roland. Okay. Roland, you directed the shit out of it, sure. I mean, he also scored Independence Day, which also has a really nice score. Like, it's kind of more a little bit more generic, but uh, he did Tomorrow Never Dies, just whatever. Godzilla, which has a terrible score. Wing Commander, <laughs> which I can't even think. He did The World Is Not Enough, Shaft. I mean, that's what which... separates the John Williams from the David Arnolds, right? Like, David Arnold has got one or two in him. Yeah, John Williams just has fifty years of music in him, and it pours out of everything. Yeah, and you know that's a th- like a lot of people want to go. Wow, he did Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, Casino Royale, Hot Fuzz. Okay. None of these are striking me as particularly score like amazing scores. Hmm. Uh, I mean, they're probably good. They're probably serviceable, but yeah, but. Yeah, I, I don't know this guy. He's he's. I thought maybe uh, man, I've never heard of him before. But yeah, he he bunked, p- popped that out. I one thing I want to say because I heard someone say like two weeks ago that John Williams stuff all sounds the same. Oh what? Fuck you. What? Yeah, it all sounds like great movie soundtracks. But Superman and Star Wars and Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark don't sound anything alike. I, like you may, can... Superman and Star Wars main theme is about the closest you can get. I agree. Uh yeah this this sounds John Williams esque and I was I was listening to it going is that John Williams because mm. no it, really it certainly good. elevates the material that it's in and it, it carries a lot of the emotional weight of the film yeah but that was the biggest thing from the commentary is the fact that that was like that could have been they could have had a below average score and man a lot of this movie I don't think works nearly as well that's true yeah I mean the effects still carry the day but uh you know Johnny Williams has taught us that effects plus really slick music production equals jaw dropping yeah and i mean at the time i was really into you know new ideas and uh-huh. and like just thirsty for any kind of new interesting ideas in cinema um and stargate provided that you know this this idea of a spacefaring egyptian style race with with like aliens who are taking over ancient bodies from earth it's it's all really interesting yeah but like the second time around, I'm just kind of, I'm having to consciously stop myself from rolling my eyes. At well, it. So this is what I was trying to get at and maybe more or less successfully got at, at the V commission podcast uh-huh. we did Yeah, that like the older I get, the, the more alien invasion stories just don't fucking make any sense because they're either yeah. going to be a one side slaughter mm-hmm. or you, you question the reason the aliens are even there. Like, you know, as you pointed out, if Ra has all the sophisticated technology, why the hell is he entrusting his vital mining operations to thousands of desert nomad? I mean, we can strip mine today. Man. Yeah, on this planet. Yeah, 
with machines. Like just, one of the big reasons Appalachian Mountains economy is just done to sh- is down to shitters because they're just ripping off the tops of mountains and doing the work of fifty men with one dude and a giant bulldozer and yeah. some dynamite. Like, why can't he have these? You know, like if he can travel the stars, he can strip mine a mountain automatically. I really like the idea that they've got this stylish technology. Like, you know, sir. This this resurrection tank doesn't look like the surgery pod on uh, Prometheus. Prometheus. Yeah. It looks like a sarcophagus because why not make it look good as well? These this this power armor doesn't isn't just effective and increases the strength of the wielder and gives him energy weapons, but it looks badass too. So I buy that you would have this ceremonial shit, but. When shit hits the fan and he's laid siege outside of his giant pyramid-shaped spaceship, that's where it breaks down. Like, where is Mm -hmm. the completely armored power armor? How can Kurt Russell shoot these guys in their bare midriffs and and kill these quote-unquote gods? And all they have is a shitty combination of Gafferty stick from the Sand People of Star Wars and Energy Blaster. Yeah. Yeah, the the disparity between their travel technology and all their other tech the, the travel and like human repair technology like and that I, disparity is night and day i get ceremonial armor like you know we get sure. we guard the tomb of the unknown soldier with a What's world war ii rifle and a saber probably with a bayonet you know it's like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. i get it but also like if someone were to seriously attack the tomb of the unknown soldiers some motherfucking marines and battle fatigues and rocket launchers and shit would show up the the to to handle the problem yeah it wouldn't be like oh god we're just stuck here in our dress blues with you know a clip of seven bullets and what are we gonna do and when you send out your uh your gunships i i don't know your fighters they better be able to hit something they better be able to take out a fortress made of upturned wagons or at least kill one person. I, well, they did. They killed. They, uh, they killed the goofy guy who couldn't make it to the fortress made of wagons. Yeah. Once within that fortress, <laughs> yeah. they were largely, and then drop then, a bomb on him. So Ra's already sentenced all these fuckers to death. Yeah. When they sur- offer surrender, why do they they why do they park their starships? Get out of them and approach them on foot. Where now they're vulnerable to bullets. Like all the, they didn't need all of the desert people to come over the crest and save them. They just had to focus team fire on their belly buttons, and they're dead. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, man. No, there, there's so much in here that doesn't make sense, both from a technological but if they didn't standpoint. stack the deck against Raw, Raw would have just beat the shit out of these guys, yeah. and you wouldn't have a move. And that's a problem I have. You know, you, you're you're squeezing the the clay of the movie to make it into something that you can work with whereas like maybe you just shouldn't make that thing maybe you should you know do something else with that clay i'm trying to think is there a way you can tell an intelligent vastly because we we talked about independence day same problem like there's a little bit like you know the fact that they've studied this particular starship and maybe they have an idea how you can so war of the world is interesting right yeah war of the world we got our ass kicked the only thing that saved us is bacteria exactly so there's not that many. <laughs> I don't think there's that many concepts like that. That gotcha. You do it once, done. and yeah. okay, yeah, something primitive took him down. I mean, diplomacy could be a way to do it. Maybe Ra's allergic to flint and steel, and you know that's he did, wasn't able to handle our bows and arrows. Yeah, or you give somebody a bomb and an alien ship, and you send them up to 
to smoke a cigar in yeah. front of it. Yeah, right. You could do that, uh, which I felt surprisingly was more believable than the outcome of this movie. Mm. Uh, yeah. So what? What else do you want to? Uh, so, like, I was talking earlier about this, uh, the narrative here, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about like. I think I briefly mentioned it, but this shot of Jay Davidson in 8000 BC, first of all, it's it's a fucking coincidence they show up on the change of a millennium, right? Like, well, 8000 versus 8005. It's a one in 1000 shot. I guess, you know, I never even thought, but I just thought that they're, you know, kind of like when they talk about when the first pyramid was made. It's like 6000 BC. That's the other thing. Like Generalizing, sure. Egypt is crazy. I mean, do you realize that Egypt has been a place on this globe <laughs> uh-huh. for 8,000 years, 10,000 years? There's, mm-hmm. Is there any other place that can say that? Like, Egypt, the place today, yeah, is know. roughly the same place that it was 10,000 years ago. Yeah. And still has functional architecture from that era, too. Mm-hmm. That's fucking insane. Yeah, it's, I agree. <laughs> like, your Chinese shit, pissing on it. Your Roman shit, uh, shitting on it. Uh, That's crazy. That's just me yeah. wanting to just just be mind-boggled at the, okay. the passage of time and, 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 and how, and that, you know, yeah. you can be forgiven to think that this stuff had to be alien-engineered because how the hell can people from that, that long ago... So I, ten thousand so, years is the six thousand years, sir. I I I I I went a little too far back when I said ten thousand years, but six thousand years. Yes, Egypt has been a place for six thousand years. Okay, I don't think any place on Earth can make that same claim. Yeah, I I don't know what you mean by a place, like having culture. Having... Well, like like okay, so there's a place in France where there's cave paintings from fifteen thousand years ago or whatever. Yeah, but they did not call that place France, and it had fr- fr- you know the borders of France and the kind of like cultural artifacts sure, sure. that have still kind of remained significant throughout. I mean, Egypt was a power into its own right, uh, the, into the Roman times and beyond. Like mm-hmm. it kind of, I mean, it gets weird because like, what do you call it when a place gets taken over and like, they still call themselves Pharaohs, but they're not Egyptian. Hmm. Like, I don't know, but you know, it's like, there's still some kind of cultural continuity there, but it's, so it's, they they cheat a little bit, but still, still, that's yeah, insane. I mean, I don't I don't think any any of our major cultures or any of our cultures period are the same as they were that long ago. Egypt is probably the closest, I guess, mm-hmm. that we have. Sure, uh, but uh, so this idea of like the alien comes down, takes Jay Davidson up, and uses his body to become uh, raw in, incarnate. I don't know raw in he's he's not really raw like. He's some – what is the fiction he's spinning here? Because he's he, – these people think that Ra is a god. So, uh, I understand because he came down out of the heavens in a fucking pyramid. Yeah. Started taking people up and then turned, like, Egypt into a slave colony for a while. Right. Mining this stuff and then blew them up because they – Yes. They talked too much. <laughs> they knew too much. Well, no, they did the, the, the exact opposite. Like, oh, that's right. They Ra was away, him, yeah. the slaves would play, and they, they did rebellion and then buried the Stargate, which – so he learned nothing from this. And there's an interesting thing that uh, they have these in, in the director's edition had these fossilized Anubises and, and whatnot, which is they, they intended to suggest that Ra tried to use the star. Like it's a total surprise that this end of the Stargate was disconnected and yeah. he sent dudes through and they just materialized in a rock and fossilized. Yep. Which I thought was a cool concept that didn't make the movie proper, but 
you know, again, it was it was kind of neat. But yeah, the humanity uh, was able to overpower the laughably underpowered alien gods while Ra was away and overthrew their overseers and walled off the Stargate, which is well enough. And then Ra's reaction to that was to outlaw reading and writing Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't organize a slave revolt like that again. And then here come the fucking humans again. Right. I mean, they're all humans, but here come the Earth humans, the the Earthlings. Yeah, the OGs. Yeah. Uh, Fucking stuff up for me again. Yep. But, like, I... Without that scene and without that middle scene, I don't like that scene of exposition. I don't know where your narrative comes from. Yeah. It's it's just a straight up action movie with no plot. Like I think I don't know. I think like you going through a Stargate, like finding a Stargate, going through, and there's some crazy shit there. No, I, I, I that disagree. To be I a think that the movie would be much more open to interpretation. Like you could validly say that. Uh, you know, maybe Ra is actually a human, and he's seeded, and he's he's seeded human life on these planets that are his mining colonies to suit his whims, rather than like it's not important that Ra abducted a little boy, and the humans are easy. Like that stuff is like that's that's one vision, but it's like the identity of Ra and his backstory. I don't think makes a significant impact into the plot. Hmm. Because, like, here's my okay. interpretation is 8,000 B.C., they had Ra, who's a tribal god, in kind of the same way that Yahweh was a tribal god of these, you know, the, the precursors to the Israelites, who then turned into the, the, the you know, this, this shepherd god turned into this monotheistic religion that then morphed into Jesus Christ and all that stuff. So Ra, Ra was probably already a concept amongst these people that... Uh, the alien who became known as Ra co-opted. Like, I don't think he started the worship of Anubises and Oryx, uh, Horixes and all that stuff. I feel like that he took these elements and then aped them and said, I am your God. It wasn't like, so I'm not, it's kind of like, like an Ewok C-3PO situation. They already had the golden God. He just happened to show up and they have, yep, I'm the man. It wasn't he landed and no, said. No, I, I get that. Okay. I just don't. There's some there's some weird knot there that f- flows back in on itself. I think where like how much of so the pyramid stuff was obviously him. Like yeah, those were his, essentially landing pads for his spaceships, which I thought was a cool idea. Well, they had they had no concept of like we're going to build pyramids. That wasn't something Egyptians did. No, it, it was literally engineered expressly for landing pads for his spaceships. Yeah, so I. Like, I don't know where your assertion comes from that they already had all this culture. No, we no, don't no, no. see any of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, just like, you know, Jesus Christ was not part of the godhoods of these nomadic shepherd tribes that lived in Mesopotamia. That was like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, this, 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 the pre-runner to Yahweh. Like, the whatever the precursor of Ra that became the Egyptian, like, that's what... You know, he he might have even kind of shaped the religion from there, but he they had this kind of like chorus of gods that he co opted. Yeah, this is before pyramid. I mean, eight thousand BC is way before the pyramids. Yeah, I just I don't I don't see that in the movie. Like, without like even with the exposition, I don't know that. I know that's, no, that's, the... that's my head cannon, but it's something okay. Devito brought up, so I thought I'd uh, you know. Okay. Well, you're you're asserting it like that's the plot of the movie. And I'm like, I didn't. see It's not, that, but that's but... something. It's not. That's not important to the movie. Those are the big ideas that you can kind of think about afterwards. Like I, you, you... I don't know. I mean, I guess 
I, having Ra's identity be shrouded in a mystery, I don't think is a problem. Having this be just a straight adventure movie, I guess, is okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it like, what if you took thing, Ra's though. backstory out of it? Does it really change how... Matt, in fact, uh, some might say that'd be cooler because then you could spin up your own theories about you can, yeah. how we came into this symbiotic relationship with this alien. Or maybe he's not even alien. Maybe he's just human. He's just a really old, technically advanced, you know, indistinguishable from magic. Well, they show human. an alien face at the end. But they didn't like have them. to. That's what I'm saying. They add, In fact, they added oh, all those effects okay. way after the fact, after they shot the bonus scenes. Yeah, with, yeah. So like th- that that was stuff. In fact, you it's funny because I never thought that, but when you were watching it, you said it's kind of jarring. I don't get like this alien mass coming outside of his face. Like, what does that even mean? Um, like that's just to suggest that he's not really Jay Davidson. He's really yeah. this alien inhabiting Jay Davidson's body. Yeah, and I mean it could be you know the dematerialization of that body and the explosion or whatever. And oh, now you're you're. Vessel is taken away. Here's who you are, and you're dead. That wasn't even an effect. That's the actual what happened when they asked Jay Davidson to take his nipple rings out. <laughs> he just it's got so angry at the mere suggestion. That's not, also yeah. another factoid we gleaned from uh, that. Apparently, Emmerich has so little control over what's going on in his 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 movie that going up and saying, "Hey." Can you take your nipple rings out for this? We need to see you bare chested in in your like tribal outfit. Uh, nope, I'm not going to do that. My nipple rings are non negotiable. They don't come out. And then they have yeah. to engineer a goofy looking breastplate for him so that hides it in later appearances. But I thought that was really weird. Like, who the fuck is Jay Davidson? I get that Emmerich wasn't yeah. exactly the Independence Day big swinging dick. I want to make Godzilla even though it's a terrible idea, Emmerich. But still, he's the director of the fucking movie. And who the hell is Jay Davidson? I, no one that I'd heard of. He's the lady boy from The Crying Game, which was kind of an indie that. you know, hit at the time, but it's not like he was a huge actor. No, I didn't know him from... Let alone a Hugh Jackman. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know. So there are other scenes in here where I'm like, you know, the, the soundtrack is propping up the movie. like, and And some of the grand ideas are are maybe doing some heavy lifting where the details aren't like Mm -hmm. this idea, this scene specifically where they walk through the Stargate for the first time. Yeah. Super impressive. And I mean, the score is swelling and you're getting this grandiose epic feeling. And yeah. And the, the the Stargate effects still hold up. Yeah. Like going through the Stargate is still kind of, um, on a big screen, it's really cool because it's like a, like a it, it's immerses you into the motion of it till you feel like you're kind of in a roller coaster simulator. Yeah, you feel like you're about to take this journey with this epic journey with somebody, and right. and that I feel like is a little, slightly betrayed later in the movie. But mm-hmm. but for that moment, you feel real good about it. Other than you know, there's some weird shit going on, right? Yeah. Like got all this equipment. You've been working on this for two years. You didn't realize these were constellations. Right. Great job, military. Yeah. This is what America can do when they really put their mind to it. Yeah. Uh, what about the other sixty years in between finding it? And, and, and like the doc says, two? what's the harm in trying the seventh seventh chevron, just random ones until you get like and you got you don't have to send people through. Probes. You can send yeah. probes. And also the first probe gets there and the Stargate shuts. Mm-hmm. Uh you then just send man a manned mission. You don't send more star you know, you don't send other probes to the to, to try to optimize. It just seems again, it's an action movie. But the things just escalated fast from like we now know we can open the Stargate 
it's open. Let's send people through. Like, there's a space of five minutes that all that stuff happens. Well, here's another huge problem. Yeah. They make it very clear that when they go through this Stargate, they're going to have to turn it on on the other side to come back, right? Sure. How did they get information back from that probe? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, they sent it through and boom, we got the info, all the, the readings. Is it beaming shit across the entire known universe? No, as no, she no. Said? It's it's that's why they lost contact when the Stargate shut after a predetermined amount of time. It they lost because they were, it was able to beam the signal. Okay, the, like right. I guess thirty feet across the Stargate. Yeah, yeah. But then as soon as that thing shut, then boom, it, they lost it. But you can send another probe, or could you experiment okay. with like, okay, we're gonna park a probe. In mid-transit to yeah. try to keep it open for longer periods of time. Yeah, judging by what the rings do to people, and also, I think it probably would. Why cut can't the you open it from the other side? That was the other. They thing. They don't have the symbol for Earth. They don't have no. That but I'm saying, like, symbol. if you open up, like, I know it's not a Stargate, but the teleporter technology that works on Raw Starship uh, is bi-directional. Yeah, is it weird? I think it's weird to me that the Stargate isn't that if you open it up from Earth to. Is it Abaddon? Is that what they decided to call it in the series? Oh, I have no idea. Whatever this, whatever this planet is, uh, that while that's open, why can't you go backwards through it? Who says you couldn't? They just multiple times in the movie they say, like French Stewart says, it doesn't work that way. You have to, we have to open it from this side to get back. That's open- the other thing. How the fuck do they know anything about this? Right, like they haven't ever turned it on. Yeah. But they've got all this stuff hooked up to it, and... They know they're going to be able to get readings. They're and... ready to go. Like, they haven't even translated the thing fucking correctly, but they're <laughs> able to make this machinery work. Yeah. That's fine. Whatever. you got to you got to suspend some disbelief when the movie's going to be four hours long. Having said that, like... I don't know. Turn the thing you on You go from the first 15 of the minutes, you're in the Stargate. Like, this movie yeah. is just plowing through plot in the first 15 minutes, and I, I felt like that that's where it feels really threadbare, like... You know, well, all they had to do was establish two characters, right? Yeah, you got to get you got to get uh, Kurt Russell and you got James Spader. That's it. That's all you need for this movie to work, right? Uh, and and I I think like the shot up front with Jay Davidson getting abducted is cool and it's almost necessary in my opinion. But uh, that they really didn't have much setup to do. Like, found a Stargate. Here's Kurt Russell. But you've been working on this for seventy plus years. To where, like, why is it just now it's so critical that they open the Stargates? Like, I, yeah, why did they start working on it two years ago as opposed to sixty mm-hmm. years ago? Yeah, and there's, I feel like maybe they answered the plot to that, but I just don't understand like why it was so critical to get it going now. Like, uh, and and once it was open, they were just ready to go. That felt a little, I don't know. A little, I, I felt like I needed the movie could have used some time to breathe there. I'm surprised they didn't make any allusions to like. Oh, we've got, a, like Independence Day does, we got a lot of our technology advances from this thing, from studying it. Because back in 1940, there was nothing like this on the planet. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I just wonder if, like, yeah, if they made a better case for why they're going over there. Like, uh, you know, we need to get this. But essentially, it's like, hey, we're going to go reconnaissance and blow it up if if, if there's even a, a, a bit of, of harm here. Yeah, I'm cool. I mean, the spirit of exploration should, yeah, I guess should be alive too. and well. I have no problem with doing things just because. Yeah. Just because no, he can. I get it, too. But why the military had a whole installation yeah. dedicated to Stargate for a presumably years and years and years of fruitless effort, but they still have this, you know, squad on standby. I think they just rolled it out of, like, the Indiana Jones warehouse where all the relics are put. 
huh. like two years ago. Oh, what's this? We found yeah. Dusty in the back corner. Sure, sure. Let's roll that thing out there. Oh, ne- next year's be Ark of the Covenant to wheel out and see uh-huh. what's going on with that. Yeah, uh, the military also. I mean, now that we're talking about them, is is pretty dumb in this movie. Not only yeah, are they not realizing these constellations, but they freak the fuck out when they go inside this alien settlement, and all they do is close the gates, like. Yeah, which wasn't in the original I mean, theatrical maybe. release. I thought that was a weird one to put back in there. And also, like, this yeah. movie is in that uncomfortable no-man's zone where, like, you still had Rambo and Commando-era gun... Like, every one of these highly trained soldiers carries their gun at their belly button, mm, yeah. pointed vaguely, and there's muzzles sweeping each other left and right. That's, like, so jarring now because every single major big-budget thing has military advisors that... And they've decided that, hey, shooting from the hip is much less cooler than actually realistic military precision. Mm-hmm. But it gives it a slightly daffy commando feel to everything. Sure. When you're just hosing things down from the hip. and But everything felt like that. I mean, the, the fighters shooting their green shit to no effect. and Yeah. But that's, yeah, everything just that's feels more like of a, convenient and sloppy. That's more of an Independence Day kind of issue where it's like, well... You, if if you made this weaponry as powerful as it probably yeah, yeah. was, then the humans have no effect. Whereas, you know, the guys holding guns wrong and blinking when they shoot and and pointing guns at each other to make points of emphasis is just jarring to a modern audience. Yeah, I, I think it's just a sloppiness across the board. You know, lack mm-hmm. of attention to detail and like realism, like getting any kind of sense of realism. It's more about spectacle. It's more about. Uh, look how amazing all of this stuff looks, and these ideas are interesting. It's the other unfortunate thing, and this happens to every movie in the 90, is CRTs. Yeah. Anything where they show a monitor and it's this crappy old, you know, IBM PC graphics just looks ancient. Yeah. Like like the cutoff between flat screen and tube is, was, is stark. And same thing with like kind of... Um, when you see like self like movies where people were go- going on cordless phones, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that was not that long ago, but man, it looks archaic as shit. It's like a rotary dial. Twenty years ago, this movie was made. Yeah, like rotaries and rotary dials now look stylish. Like when you see them in Fargo and stuff, it's kind of cool. They don't look like a throwback. They just like old school cool. Where yeah, cell phone, computer technology, all that stuff just aged in dog years. Man, it looks it looks prehistoric. Yeah, some of this stuff I. Like, I understand, like, I totally agree with what you're saying where it's not meant to be. But, like, a lot of the times you can get away with the CRT look because, believe it or not, a lot of these technologies that, like, really high-end installations use are archaic, right? Like, yeah. I mean, shit, I worked at an insurance company that was using a DB2 database from the 60s. No, no, I, yeah, I get it. I mean, that sure. shit happens, especially with government and military. Like, yep. you look at the shit we sent... <laughs> like people to the moon with recently mm-hmm. uh and out into space with and it's like you can't believe it no yeah like We're our cell phones that they would even are risk it hundreds of thousands of times more powerful than the computer that ran <laughs> the space shuttle let alone yeah. the computer that ran the apollo missions exactly so like sometimes it's it feels realistic but a lot of the times yeah it's just like man i don't know if i can watch this so we talked about <sighs> The big uh, we've we've talked about kind of the big problems with Raw's part of the plan, but the other thing about the 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 overthrow Raw and everyone's like Raw Raw, everything's awesome. We've won, and I guess Stargate the series blows this wide open. But why does everyone assume that Raw is the big bad? 
why wouldn't you assume that he's some fucking middle manager and that now yeah. you've actually pissed off the corporate boys that are going to come and just glass your whole planet? Well, the story – doesn't the story tell us, like, his race was dying and he said, But off, why I, do we think I know, that 8,000 years ago these people had an accurate understanding of the political situation of this alien race that they considered gods? No, I don't. That's what I'm I saying. Don't, like, I don't assume that they do. I, is, I mean, to me, like – uh, you go back through the portal and you blow it the fuck up, or you bury, or you do something because nothing good can come of t- tussling with these guys. Well, so I mean, I guess that's a good start to a three-part trilogy, which <laughs> they weren't doing back then as much. Yeah, uh, and they wanted to. But, like that's the other thing we got from the commentary, and of course, you know, the Doc uh, alluded to in his comments there at the beginning of the podcast that they wanted this to become a trilogy. But that's the thing; they do tell us, the audience, over the course of the movie that. This is the last one of his race, and he's the ringleader. And yeah, I get it. Like, all my problems with that is meta. And I you understand. can't, yeah, you can't have a movie where you've killed one of the underlings, and that's the end of the franchise. That's the end of the movie series. Mm-hmm. Can't really do that. I mean, because then you know there's a horrible fate waited, waiting for these people in the wings. Yeah. A couple of things I did like, other than the art design of the Stargate stuff, I like the idea that Daniel was able to go back in time and know enough about Egyptian dialect and writing that even though this was not quite the same, he was able to make rapid progress with them. And I kind of like, I was trying to understand this. I'd be like, if you were beamed back into like William, maybe even before the, like the, the uh, Canterbury tales era uh, where everything is like recognizably English, but kind of like, uh, Jabberwocky type English, mm-hmm. you would be kind of fish out of water for the first day or two, but I bet you would rapidly be able to get a grasp of the language because most of the words are the same. They might have a weird pronunciation or spelling or inflection, um, but the the grammar is all the same. Like I feel like you would take old English like a duck to water, and I felt like that's kind of how they communicated Daniel learning this you know ancient dialect of 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 uh egyptian speech and and uh words yeah and i also felt like they did a good job of communicating how much of an expert like a savant he is at this yeah like he comes in he looks at this chalkboard and he says oh this must be the other translator the other famous writer that you got to translate this is all bullshit here's what it really says and so you get this impression that he's literally the best person on the planet when it comes to egyptology right and the language right so i thought they did that pretty well and there were scenes dispersed throughout the movie that were like okay he's starting to pick up a little bit of the language like he's got a word here and there and like he kind of his eyebrows perk up when he hears a specific word and he Mm -hmm. understands what that word might be Mm -hmm. Uh, they did a good job with that. I do think that, like, whenever they're discussing the final symbol, it's like, oh, look at this symbol. You take a couple squiggle marks away, and this is your your final this is your final symbol. And everybody's like, oh, how do we overlook that? And I'm like, wait a second. Like, you know, the difference between a lowercase i and a lowercase l is a dot at the top. That's important. <laughs> Like, how do you know that this is the, like, that as the doc suggested, you've got fucking probes, pop open all 40 combinations on that last, on that last Chevron and see where it goes. But then on the other, like, he did the opposite, where this boy is kind of like freeforming this, this written language that he's, you know, it's like, I get that Daniel, who's literate and has understood the language and study, it would get it. But like, the shepherd boy is going to pick up 
everything about the the writing system and starting to write letters and whatnot, and that's just the one he writes just happens to be the, the how do you know? How do you know that what he's scratching that you go and add a bunch of symbols to is the actual Stargate symbol? Yeah. How the fuck does that kid know? How the fuck do you know? I feel like it had that to do with came, the moons. That just, but... I, I, you, I get it, but I'm saying that... But that raises plus its, its own like problems. Earth's got one moon and one sun, and this was got three, so you think that that's like, is this the only planet in the universe that has exactly. three? Exactly. Like, yeah. very peri... I don't know. Very... Uh, provincial look at the universe and i felt like it was both of those instances of finding the seventh chevron was just complete ass pulls on daniel's part Mm -hmm. yeah i'm with you i I think there's a lot of that in this i do i do like how they played spader played him as like autistic like he didn't i don't Mm. think he really understood the soldier's animosity uh to him okay like you know it's like this wasn't an ego thing like oh yeah i absolutely can translate that uh with the with the caveats that I'll need a bunch of samples of writing and I'll need to explore and find these plates. And like, I know he didn't, he probably expected them to be on the other side, just right there waiting for him. But like when the guys were dicking with him and throwing his shit around and it just, it, it didn't even bother him. It's just like, well, this is one other thing happening to me. Just like my desert allergies. He just took it in stride. He didn't take it. He didn't take it personal or any kind of blow to his ego. It's like, it didn't even register. Yeah. I don't, but this I, was a human being being mean to him. You're right. You're right. And now that I'm I'm thinking about it and looking at it, I, I don't know that he has an ego. He seems to be a character who's driven only by his curiosity. That's what I'm saying. Like, he felt very... And that's uh, interesting. He felt like he was uh, a character on the spectrum before people even use words like the spectrum. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, I'm not even... Like, so, sure, maybe like he's he is. He's a revenge I'm, of the nerd type nerd, but a lot much more modern take on that. If that makes any sense? No, I, I don't know. Revenge of the Nerds. I've not seen it. Oh, well, you're not missing much. Okay. Uh, no, I, I'm not even saying, like, there's anything, any social hang-ups he has or anything. I'm just saying, like, and I think there there probably are, but specifically, I think he's driven by curiosity. Like, his plan is come through this thing and explore. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about these military guys' missions, and when they start picking on him, he's like, well, I'm here on an alien world. I'm going to keep exploring, because this is fucking cool <laughs> yeah no and that's the other thing is like i don't know that you needed the relationship with uh shardy uh, or whatever her name was because i feel Shade. like <laughs> Shade. i feel like that that daniel would want to stay here no contest even if it was nothing but shepherd's boys and weird lizard turtle horses like this is what he's spent his whole life leading up to of course he'd want to stay do they bring anything back that says like Here's what we went through. Or wicked are they going to have to like come a back to case of ancient Egyptian desert herpes? <laughs> yep. That's what they brought got, back. Got it from the kid who got blown up. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm wondering. So oh, they're going to have to like wait, send you another think mission. Daniel was the only guy that got, a, that got a hot chick sent to his room just because he got the raw necklace. I bet, I bet enough of the raw stank rubbed off on Kurt Russell and uh, Skwalowski Skowalows- that they got the women too. They got the women treatment. Yeah, no, I, they're I'm probably sure. less chivalrous about. No, I can't possibly I take advantage of your willingness. I wasn't going with space herpes here. Okay. I was going I with was like, literally space herpes. Like, what's the next step? So he says, "Leave me behind. I'm staying here." You, dude, you got a fucking Stargate. You're not like 
it's like you're living next door to Earth. It's not like you're stuck here. Yeah, but you know, Jane Goodall. They're going to be sending people back through all the time. Diane Fossey and Jane Goodall can go to the apes whenever they want. We got airplanes and shit, but they still like to set up their base camp with them because that's what they want to do. They don't want to miss. They're like like Aerosmith with monkeys. They don't want to miss one thing. I get it 100%, but that moment is played like farewell. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, like other than I'm like on we're going to be running now. train on this Stargate yeah. back and forth. Dude, culture. we're going to have a city set up here in about a month. So, but he did say they also said I'll be seeing you. Like I didn't feel like it's a farewell. It's more like, hey, I I don't actively hate you anymore. You have my respect as a okay. as a human being and a and a we've and been a, through some shit together. And a masculine now. figure, yes. All right, all right. That's what I took it from. And then Kurt Russell gets his moment with the the. The main kid. I don't even know what his name is. I don't either. The shepherd boy. Yeah, which comes full circle on, you know, his kid. His kid who shot himself with a gun. Yeah, this kid. Now it feels like he's got a new kid, which is a replacement for gun, his old so kid. It's kind of better. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's a little dark. Yeah. Hey, work for <laughs> Joe, right? That's true, yeah. You got a better son. This guy can handle a weapon with that pointing at his face. <laughs> Yeah, I also like their anti-smoking PSA, like right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. This guy's got a, what, I would guess 20-year smoking habit. Sure, Kurt He Russell. hands a cigarette to this kid. The kid coughs, and he's like, yeah, shitty habit anyway, and he throws him away. He's done yeah. smoking. Yeah, no, I, I feel like... Because uh, <laughs> one kid coughed. Yeah, and Imrik was really proud of that. I, I mean, it says what he wants to say, right? Right. But it does it in kind of the over-the-top... Independence Day way. I just feel like you got Kurt Russell with with uh, you know expeditionary sunglasses and a a, 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 a crew top crew cut you know straight oh out of Street God. Fighter guile. Yeah, smoking cigarettes. The coolness of that is not going to be overcome by five seconds of a desert you know shepherd boy coffin his first cigarette. It's going to be like yeah you got to you got you got to overcome that your body retching. And, and not wanting to take this combustible <laughs> to be as cool as Kurt yeah Russell. yeah gladly you'll do that right of course I mean if they'd shown if it was just like you know beginning of the movie Kurt Russell where he's sitting there trying to talk himself out of killing himself looking like he's post Turkish prison Lawrence of Arabia he's smoking that's a lot less cool but Kurt Russell yeah. with his crew cut and his guns and his 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 uh, tight shirt and his his, his sunglasses. That's that's something you want to you want to muscle through that coffin. I would assume so, yeah. You know, like Joe Camel, man. You know, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin <laughs> go to the dweeb well often. The dweeb hero well. Yeah. And I'm using dweeb only because it's used in the movie. Sure. Uh, that's not a word I use ever. I'm not even sure that's a real English word when he says, you guys are probably not familiar with dweeb. I, I'm barely <laughs> familiar. I think I've only yeah. heard dweeb refu- uh, you know, used in a Roland Emmerich context. Yeah, so like you've got like in this nerd, movie, James geek. Spader. You've got in Independence Day, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character. Sure. Godzilla, you got Matthew Broderick. Like all these people are nerdy. It peaked at jo- uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's, he's by the, alpha, the He's the alpha, alpha dweeb. Yeah, but they all are, right? They all save the day. Yeah. They're all the heroes More, of their own movies. But Matthew Broderick, way less convincingly. Sure. Like, I sure. buy the the James Spader as the Daniel character does everything he does, and he's, like, kind of got his own brand of cool, and, you know, Jeff Goldblum, what what more can you say about that dude? Matthew Broderick <laughs> just sucked. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. Man, it's weird, too, because he's charismatic in Ferris Bueller. I mean... And he's... 
a, a reluctant hero in war games, right? Like sure. To say nothing of his a reluctant of his, dweeb of hero. his adult work and yeah. uh, what was it? The uh, election. Sure, and I mean he's a cable guy, and he's got lots, lots of stuff where he's done pretty good, earnest work, and he just, yeah, yeah. I th- uh, you know, every, but everybody in Godzilla sucked. I think they were directed to suck. That's true. That movie was not good. Like just all of the plots, the, the the character beats of these people just are terrible from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like Godzilla is just a terrible movie. I we watched it. Uh, we wa- Oh yeah, we saw it on the big screen. Riff tracks did a live riffing where they synchronized all the 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 theaters in North America, and you could go pay like nine bucks and see these guys rip on the movie for two hours. It's one of those rare ones where, like, they almost couldn't really save it. It was just there's such long stretches of it being terrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I rem- that's one of my very first cinematic disappointments where I got really hyped up for something and it looked so cool, and they were saying things like. You know, we're going to do a serious take on Godzilla. This man in a suit shit was just silly and stupid. And we're just going to be Godzilla refined and fucking Taco Bell. You're collecting the, the you know, you remember that. There was, if you spelled tail, you won like a million dollars or something. I do remember that, yeah. We spent a lot of time at Taco Bell collecting Fuck those yeah. goddamn Godzilla cups and the Batman cups before them. And yeah. it was just a flop. Terrible, terrible movie. Did you, I found out the McDonald's Monopoly thing has been stacked all along. I saw that same Reddit article <laughs> okay. for five years from like 1995 to 2000 or 2000 to 2005. Some is an inside job. Yeah. Some guy was stealing all the valuable pieces. Anyway, that's yeah. that's not pertinent to this movie. Good, good work uh, if you can find it. I don't know what else I want to say about this thing. If you got anything else, I'll entertain it. I'm um, looking through, but no, I feel like we, we covered most of the stuff. I will say that I feel like... Uh, I was expecting Emmerich and Devlin to be much more cynical, but I feel like they're just, they are, uh, Emmerich is the greater of the two, but they're both sincere (laughs) in their love of this art form and they want to make good movies and they feel like they are making good movies. And I think maybe Roland Emmerich with a great script could direct a good action movie. Like, like, uh, plus the other thing is he should go full on Michael Bay, right? If you think about these things as like, take out all the dialogue, make it a silent movie, does this co like an international audience will this thing play? Yeah. Like you don't you don't need to read subtitles if you don't want to. You don't need this dubbed in your language. You can just watch you can just watch Stargate and it plays without any of the dialogue and you get the basics of the story. And the visuals are really, really cool. And the sets, like, you know, they talk about building this yeah. huge set exterior set of this uh pyramid thing out in the desert and how that was a real location and how much time and effort and like some of the legitimately cool <laughs> things, like the when Daniel gets dragged across the desert, how they were able to blend in puppetry and a horse in a costume and a dog in a costume dragging a doll, and it just all kind of hangs together and is cool. Yeah, you really, it's like okay, like you, you, some of the fine, like you're never going to be a, a, a Spielberg or. A, shit uh, paul thomas anderson you're never going to tell like that's what he wants to do though he desperately wants to be spielberg i think he likes to make movies that people like he's a little bit of a michael man yeah i mean that's kind of how i define spielberg he's making movies for everyone with the, the heartfelt note and spectacle and a sense of wonder i feel like that's what emmerich's going for he just doesn't quite nail it in the same way that spielberg does yeah he's he's stuck somewhere between spielberg and michael bay and I don't know that that I feel like that's kind of a no man's land. 
No, I'm not For Michael Mann. Anyway. I'm sorry, Michael Bay. Jesus, don't want to get those two. Yeah, oh no, God, no. One guy made Last Mohicans, <laughs> and the other guy and Heat, and the other guy peaked with The Rock, uh-huh. which is admittedly like you can give Michael Bay as much shit as you want, but The Rock is a fun, fantastic movie. He knows what he's making. Yeah, and he has no qualms about it, and I don't either. Yeah, and That's I feel fine. like Roland Emmerich is the international version of Michael Bay. Okay. Like, Michael Bay is all-American. This is what Americans want to see. The intergalactic version. Oh, yeah. The 8,000-year-old Stargate version. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good, as good a place as any to end this podcast on. Thanks once again for all your support over the years. Uh, Dr. DeVito. Dr. Yeah. DeVito. Uh, it's amazing. We, we, we certainly appreciate it. We hope that uh, you got a couple chuckles or some interesting nuggets out of our Stargate coverage. If, if nothing else, he soaked us for the 15, 15th anniversary collector's edition of the blu-ray that was quite reasonably priced on amazon quite i hasten it didn't exactly break the bank but thanks for commissioning that it's a lot of fun so yeah. this is one of the more fun things we do in bald move we still got a lot of stuff you know what we're doing next empire strikes back. empire strikes back the commissioner strikes again man with, with another uh just like i can't believe i'm being paid to to do this podcast uh-huh. uh if you'd like to find out how you can commission a podcast we're getting 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 geared up because we've got like Four or five of the community commissions is starting to get a little threadbare. We're gearing up. We'll, we'll I'm going to commit to before 2015 is done, we're going to have a, a, a new slew of offerings. We're going to replace the ones we've sold out on and put some new community commissions. That's another economical way to get – probably hold a vote in the VIP section of the forum so we can get uh, the club members' kind of thoughts uh, – so if you want to get in on that, check out the VIP forums. You want to find out how to get in the VIP forums, go to club.baldmove.com. And you can go to baldmove.com slash shop if you just want to pull the trigger and commission a podcast, find out how much it is and kind of the details on it. Uh, all that's on baldmove.com slash shop. Or if you want to browse the remaining community commissions to see if there's any low-hanging fruit yeah, there. To pay like 260 bucks to get... Shutter Island going or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's there's some still some some good ones with like maybe fifty percent support. I feel like yeah yeah. I feel like all the ones that are going to get commissioned have already been commissioned. And we'll we see. Need a new batch. We'll see. Who knows? Uh, all right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll uh, probably be back next week with another one of these Empire Strikes Back. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Mayron. Bye.